Hey, what's up, TT Nation? It's Josiah. Uh, before we hop into the show, just wanted to mention I've been posting a lot over on LinkedIn and I've uh, been just building connections over there. And if we haven't connected yet, I would love for you to just reach out to me or shoot me a connection request over on LinkedIn. Just search for Josiah Novak and you'll find my profile. It's just my face with a yellow background. So shoot me a connection request and I'd love to just uh, hang out with you over on LinkedIn if you're on that platform. Um, and without further ado, let's jump into the podcast. Hey, it's Josiah Novak and welcome to the True Transformation Podcast, the top fitness podcast for men who want to get ripped, naturally boost testosterone levels and use fitness as a tool to not only look and feel better, but improve all areas of life in the process. Welcome to the show. Buckle up. Life moves fast. Let's make it count. I work out in the morning because I find that by five o'clock or even sometimes early afternoon, I'm already pretty taxed from just everything I got going on. And I just don't feel like I'm at my, my peak. I, I feel like I peak in the morning for whatever reason. Like first thing, like, do you get in bef like before you eat anything or you try to eat something real quick or just like right when you're, I up, fast, you're bro, I fast. You're, you're, this is, this such, is such a beautiful, beautiful podcast beautiful. we're about to have because you're, you're probably going to rip me apart performance wise, but I literally, I literally don't eat until five o'clock every day, 5 p.m. That is interesting. I, I train, I, and I actually have run my PRs and events and you name it completely fasted. Hmm. What do you, what do you attribute that to? Because I mean, like, yes, generally what you would think you would need that carbohydrate just to, uh, you have the glycogen yeah. available quicker to you for you to, to perform at a high level, especially something like a decafit or a power lifts or Olympic lifts sure. or whatever it is. So how, what do you attribute the, the fast and good performance to? I attribute it to eating a ton of food late at night before I go to bed mm. and it digesting overnight. But I also, I, I, I just, think over just, time, my body has adapted to this because I've done this now for the better part of like eight years or so. Um, I started incorporating started more endurance-based activities slowly. I was always a weightlifting guy, you know, bodybuilding type of stuff. But then I started getting into perf you know performance stuff, and uh, for whatever reason, I just feel better. So maybe it's a mental thing. And I would be curious. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'd be real curious to run a race at like, let's call it mid-afternoon, and eat something prior and see if it makes a difference in how I perform. Right? Just because the adrenaline. And all of that combined with maybe better fuel, I, I'd be curious. I'd be real curious. Well, if you're not restricting carbohydrates restricting in general, like you still should have them available right. in terms of my stored. Theory. Like, yeah, you would imagine that's the case. It's not net, like you're necessarily, necessarily trying to be ketogenic, right? Correct. I'm not doing long endurance type of races anyway. I mean, you know, high rocks and maybe like a super Spartan would be the longest you know, that, event I, that I would do, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, I, and now I, I still, I, I should preface this by saying, I still take electrolytes or a pre-workout, you know, some, some performance enhancing stuff before I train. So I'm technically not, you know, just a water fast guy or like no caffeine right. or whatever. I still take things, but yeah, food wise, all my food has been digested overnight. The glycogen should be topped off. I'm not restricting calories, right? So I think I, my body just has the fuel source and it's, you know, using it. Maybe, you know, if I was a world-class person like yourself, I need to be optimizing things even better, but I feel good. It, it would be interesting to see how you would feel just in maybe the late stages of an endurance effort. If you were, if you had some available carbohydrates, like right away, instead of kind of having sure. to go and, and do, get storage, storage part, but it doesn't sound, and, and I mean, because you're a muscular guy, you probably are holding a lot more glycogen as well. Correct. You would think that yeah. like, those are your storage vessels. So it's that it's still around, but yeah, I would be interested to see, like, have you ever played around with that? Like kind of carbohydrate timing with your workouts? Yeah. So what I've done, uh, uh let's see the last with, uh, super Spartan I did, which was last year. So which venue I, I did uh, Virginia. Uh, okay. I do Virginia every year because I'm in Virginia, so I I go do the uh, the Virginia the like the equestrian, yeah, the horse, the horse yeah, track, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
it was my first ever one that I did a long time ago and I've just done it ever since. So, um, I do that one, but I, I brought a gel pack with me, um, mm. in, my in my pocket, pocket when right. I was running. And I took that at about mile, like right after I did, uh, the bucket carry, I took it, which was like three miles in, I think. And it actually helped. I will say I felt a little bit of a burst. It may have been because there was some caffeine in it. <laughs> right, right. Probably. But I, I felt, I felt good. Like it didn't, it wasn't like my stomach got jacked up or whatever. Like I was able to finish the race. And, and probably even maybe my splits were probably even a little better towards the end. Um, cause I took the first half slow, but yeah, I, I it didn't hurt me. I'm going to, I am going to test it with high rocks. When I do high rocks in New York, I'm going to have a packet with me because just how high of intensity that race is, you know, that it's an interesting, I was just thinking about the high rocks nutrition piece just the other day, like how necessary it really is because I, you should have enough available or like store glycogen for up to two hours is kind of what they say, but yeah, cause the intensity and the mixed modality, it's like, how much are we actually spending? Like how much does that cost on a sled push or a sled pull? Mm -hmm. Right. And the intensity is so high that it's almost hard to kind of take the, the calories in. I do it, but I've had a couple of times where I've taken like the wrong gel pack and, and it's like harder to actually eat it because the intensity mm -hmm. is so high. We're like sure. a Spartan, a Spartan race, a Spartan race kind of grinds you to a pulp <laughs> right. Where, and like, eventually you're just going slow. Like you, there's nothing you could do. You're just needing to survive. So like getting some calories in your, cause you're running, you're running at a lower level, but when you're at this higher level, like a high rocks or decafit and the blood is away from your gut because it needs to be in your muscles, delivering the oxygen. And then when you put some pull like food into your gut, like that's where you might get some GI distress. Mm. So it's interesting. I'm not exactly sure, but I do use, uh, energy gels or whatever. Have you tried the Morton gels? Mm -mm. Those are, did you see that sub two hour project that Nike did with, um, yes. Yeah. Where they had the dude run under two hours and he was using that type of nutrition called Morton, which is a more like a jello. So, oh, you know, yeah. if you, if you have goo, it's kind of like the sticky, like almost like honey kind of right? Like, a little bit honey, a little thicker than honey. Cause there are, yeah. there, there are other ones that are honey. And it's a little bit more viscous, but this is like jealous. So it goes right down. It doesn't have that weird artificial, like linger in your mouth. Mm. Uh, so I actually like those for high rocks. So a little more expensive, but oh, that's it, cool. They, yeah. They do a good job. Okay. So Morton's that, that makes sense. All right. So I'm curious though, what, what is your background? Why did you get into doing you know, I, I don't know, like, did you start with Spartan? Did you start with like, just like some of these guys, like, you know, track cross country, where, mm -hmm. where did this whole thing start? Yeah. So ultimately in high school, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, I was doing track and fields, cross country in the fall and playing like basketball in the winter, playing any of the sports growing up, just being active and athletic. And I ended and up running, I, ended up I did pretty well in high school. I ran collegiately at a division one school in Philadelphia and then mm -hmm. after that, I was kind of lost. I had, I didn't have a great collegiate experience as a runner, but I love endurance. I love the sport, but like my performance and just some different lifestyle factors. And I just wasn't ready. Ultimately, I just wasn't ready to be on my own and be like, be at a, performing at a high level in college. So I came out of that, found the gym, like almost directly after, but still running, still doing some strength stuff. This was around 2000 and so I graduated in 2008 and then around 2000 nine, nine, 10, 11, 10, 11 is really when like the hit stuff started to really mm. kind of pop off. And, and it was, why would you work out for two hours when you can work out for 30 minutes? And it was like, kind of like the life hacky deal was all really kind of yeah. building up. And shortly after I found CrossFit right in 2000, right around that time, 2010, 2011. And there was kind of the same deal, but then it took the strength piece, mixed it with the endurance and made it competitive. I was like, this is great. But I always still wanted to have that endurance aspect in me because I do love running. And I and that is just part of me. And, and it's always something that I want to kind of keep around. So when I was doing CrossFit, I was kind of resistant to putting on weight, you know. And and throughout the college, I did I did end up developing some weird relationship stuff with with food, right? Um, I'm sure if you've talked to endurance athletes in the past, that is pretty common. Uh, a lot of times on the female side, for sure, it's like almost an epidemic on the female side, but on the male side, it's kind of, it's similar. Like the people will kind of come out of that process, not with a great relationship with food. So is that like was a concern about gaining weight. Is that like the issue or like, what? yeah, it's like a power to weight ratio type of thing. Okay. Right. Okay. So a lot of times these athletes, I'll speak, I'll speak to myself on this. Like when I, a lot of my self-worth was tied into 
how I would perform as an athlete, right? And and as an athlete in in college and late in high school is all about like winning races and being the best, being the fastest. And then when that started to kind of be have like a hiccup, and I wasn't always just able to be the best or or just on talent, I started to look at other factors. And then I was like, okay, if I can make my weight less, uh, then I should be able to perform better. So that's like the first place that we go. And then it's like this weird relationship that starts to build because it's like not properly fueling and not performing well. And the body composition and body issues, it's a lot of, for me, it was a lot of like binging and purging and then just like, or, or just abstaining and and then binging. And then it kind of had some other weird stuff with like alcohol in there with, with college, just, you know, it's just, it was just a whole mess, like no guidance for it. So it, it, it really does end up, I think it's a lot of people just not doing the work that they need to do to understand how they're feeling for me at least. Right. Sure. And, and it just kind of manifests in this weird, uh, eating issue eating. Issue. So, so yeah, mostly yeah. performance based stuff though. Mm, okay. So you were in college, you didn't love the experience or maybe you just weren't ready. Like you said, I, I can relate. I played baseball in school and it was a disaster. I just wasn't ready for that, whatever that that adulthood. <laughs> I don't know what you would call it, but yeah, I think about it as like just not being prepared to commit totally to being great. Like knowing what goes into giving it my all. Was that something similar? similar like, or was it just like, hey, I'm just trying yeah. to juggle all this stuff, and I don't know how all pieces fit. I think I think you nailed it because you realize. So when you get to college, you're uh, a smaller percentage of like people now who are able to compete at this level. And so automatically like everyone's habits and routines are better because they're the best high school players. So now they're, you know, everyone's now in this like new playing field and competition is higher. Demand is higher. You have to manage your time better. You have to prioritize things. And so I just wasn't good at any of that period. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I still love the game, but I almost lost my love of the game because it was everything else that went into preparing for the actual playing of the game that I just couldn't wrap my head around. I, I didn't know how to balance it all. And I got burned out to be honest, like completely. Did you, stick, did you stick it out? Did you go all four years? No, I stopped playing after two. So I played mm. two years and then I just did normal stuff after that and worked and got into career and stuff. But yeah, it was, it was really like, and, and it's funny you mentioned the self-worth because all of my self-worth was tied into being an athlete like mm-hmm. everything. Right. If I, that would be like, Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm an athlete. <laughs> like right. it was never like, Hey, my name's just, I was like, I play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so it just like that went away. And then like your brain goes, what, what am I? Like, I don't even know what to do. I'm sure right. you can relate. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And still is kind of a bit of that, you know, mm-hmm. cause you know, you and I were both very active and it's inwardly and outwardly, <sighs> inwardly it's and kind out- of projected that way. But um, sure, yeah, like, sure. yeah, like understanding that that is not the definition of, who I am as a person, right? Like if I, if I stopped competing, it would probably only matter to me and no one else, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, we put so much stock in these things we do really, we're just doing it for ourselves, but we think the world is like, like watching everything we do. We have all these expectations for how people perceive what we do or what we don't do even. And meanwhile, it's really just about our fulfillment Mm -hmm. and then what we provide to the world. I mean, you, for example, like, you know, you could be a tremendous coach and you might personally not have a lot of self-worth tied to that, but mm-hmm. other people do, right? They're like, oh, you put out some amazing content. You put out amazing programs. Like you're, you're incredibly, you change incredibly lives, change right? Lives. But you're like, well, I'm not top two in the world or whatever. <laughs> like, right. you know, like, you, like whatever you are, but you know what I mean? Like the audience right. in Chicago, like, oh man, I'm such a bum. Like, no, dude, like, you're not because you're impacting so many parts of people's lives. And that's just the perspective trying to take, right? And and the the way I'm trying to think of it is that yes, I am trying to help the individuals get better at this and helping the sport as a whole kind of grow. And that's bigger than me, right? It's bigger than my performance. Sure. If I got yeah third in Chicago or if I won Chicago, it didn't it doesn't change that part, which is more impactful. Totally, like most people, their memories are very like it's a blip, right? So like most people, if you went and then pulled everybody who was at Chicago and said, Hey, how, how did Rich do in the race? They'd probably at best be like, I think he won or got, I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> right. like, they wouldn't. Right. but, but if you asked if everybody you had a conversation with was like, Hey, what do you think of Rich? 
oh, he's awesome. Like such a nice guy. Like talk to me, like help me, like give me the greatest tip. Like, and we probably put less stock into that reaction than we do the one where they're like, yeah, I don't know if you want or like, I think right. I <laughs> yeah. So getting older, that's definitely a part of just like, yeah, keeping like zooming out a little bit more and what actually matters and, and where my time is helpful and how, and how, what fulfillment I get from, from multiple different pieces. So like, sure. it's still important for me to, to train and do well. Cause I, now it's almost like a puzzle that I'm trying to kind of put together. And because that I, I do feel like I can provide value for other people, like that is important to me. And the performance is still, it's still fun. Like it's more of the idea of like how to get to this level of performance encompassing everything, not just like the physical, but the mental and, and just how, how it all kind of feels is, is now where I'm at in terms of like my athletic pursuits, I would say. Sure. So when you, so you got into CrossFit, I remember that period in time where hit was like, like everything. It was like basically blast yourself into oblivion for like 15 minutes. Man, <laughs> did you ever get, did you ever get involved in that? Were you ever into? Oh, absolutely, bro. Like yeah. I, I remember, I remember it was like yesterday, like basically, you know, I thought, okay, I'm just going to have dumbbells and burpees and like all these like Metcons that I would just knock out. And that was going to be my ticket to like getting in shape in like 15, 20 minutes versus the bodybuilding, you know, hour, hour and a half workouts. And I, I'll tell you what though, I liked it. I think it was because just like anything, if you do something for so long, you know, at that point when you know, I think you said, wow, what year was that? It was like 2000. 2008 uh, and nine is really yeah. when CrossFit was, was just starting. And before it started so, getting popular. It was Totally. Yeah. Popular. And, and bodybuilding for me kind of bit me. Uh, cause like college was 2003 to 2007. Right. Mm. So then bodybuilding bit me after baseball. So it was like 2005 ish that I started really getting into lifting weights and like bodybuilding, like building my body or whatever. So by the time CrossFit really hit, it was like, I'd been doing the eight to 12 reps, three to four sets, been, you know, push, pull legs, whatever, forever. So now it was like, Ooh, this is different, right? This is cool. Um, so yeah, totally bit me, man. Cause that's, the, that'd be interesting when you were going through that, right? It was 2000, yeah, 2005. So after base, you're still a college kid and you're probably just trying to look great. Right. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to get yoked. Exactly. Like I'm out here yoked. at college. I'm just trying to do, and then what was your initial response to the CrossFit thing? Was it like, oh, this is fun or is, is this is stupid? Like, this isn't going to make me look better. I think people wanted it to make them wanted look better to help their physique. And it can to a certain point, but there's definitely plateaus that can be reached, mm. you know? Uh, and luckily for me, I was never really, really in it necessarily for the physiques. I was just like, this is great. This is fun. So was that part of it for you? Was it like a not really you into know what? it? I think I went into it thinking I was going to get more shredded. Cause mm -hmm. like when you see CrossFit athletes are like, Oh my God, like this guy right. looks like Achilles walking around. Right. But what you don't realize, or at least what I didn't realize at the time was a lot of these guys do it, incorporate a lot of hypertrophy style yeah. work. Right. So the physique gets built through different modalities and different you know, nutrition and all that. So I went into a thing, I'm going to get shredded, but then what ended up making me like it a little bit was the competitive side. Right. Mm -hmm. So being an athlete and being like, Oh, I have a time to shoot for, or this is like pushing my endurance. Cause it reminds me of doing wind sprints and like wanting to puke, <laughs> mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Like this was, it, it like kind of fixed that, that, that itch that I had for competition. Which makes sense because like where you're at now, right? You're still kind of looking at, at pieces, like how to be competitive with this fitness that you built. Exactly. Like you nailed it with the puzzle of like, so now I have no, like, I'm, I'm a realist. Like I, I know I'm probably never going to be the guy who gets to start with you guys and like, you know, runs with you guys. I just don't think it would take many, many years of just dedicating myself to running to even be in that same breath. Right. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like, okay, how do I get better? How, what are the pieces that I'm missing? Like, like you said, the puzzle, what pieces do I need to put for my next race? So that I go, wow, I, I beat my personal best by 15 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. That gets me amped up now. Like, it's like, I like to just be a part of the community. Like that, that energy is enough. I don't need to go win, but I need to like beat my previous best by piecing together the puzzle. Which is a, a healthier way to go about it than be like, I have to win or I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> there are people that I run against, like people on my team who are very competitive. So we do have that like internal competition with the fellows on my team, like that we work together and stuff like that. And it's a healthy though. It's a healthy level of competition. It's not like I'm going to beat your ass and you suck, right? right. It's like... 
dude, I want to push you. So you get your personal best and I get my personal best. And like, we, we, we go have a beer afterwards and like, it's fun. Right. And yeah, there's a little bit of like, damn, I wish I would have won, but only for like five minutes and then it's like onto whatever's next. Right. So yeah, I think it's a much healthier, I mean, we're getting older, dude. Like right. <laughs> I don't want to hurt myself. That's a win. Seriously. And like, there's only so like, and where you're right. Like in terms of where you're coming from, you're going to need a lot of aerobic work. And those are like, those are quick gains, maybe up front, just cause yeah. you're kind of getting used to the like perceived exertion and how that kind of feels. But to build those pathways, it's just going to take time and time and time to like just slow, not that fun stuff. So when did you get into the like hybrid stuff? I guess we could throw Spartan in there as like a hybrid. Cause it's technically a hybrid. Yeah. That, that was kind of where it started too. Like the first race that I ever, that came onto my radar was this men's health ad. Cause I loved men's health big time back in the day. Me too. And, yeah. <laughs> and the, the guys on the cover were like my idols, man. I was like, Oh my God, I want to look like that. And then I read the content. It was always the same. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> it for, I did it for like three years. It was always the same stuff over and over. Uh, but then there was a, uh, an ad in that magazine called the urban Athlon that was taking place in New York city and Chicago. And it was basically an obstacle course race, but on streets, so like you're jumping over cars and I don't know, probably picking up like cinder blocks. I don't really know. I, I never got to it because I was, like just out of college and broke and couldn't really do anything. But it, it, I saw that this, there was this path where I could kind of be a combination of both, right? Like I understood what it took to, to do well in running. And I wasn't necessarily interested in just dedicating everything toward, you know, running 80, 90, hundred miles a week and grinding, just like always kind of feeling terrible. And just for like this one race here or there, that's just like a single modality. So then, then shortly after that, I guess uh, I found Spartan somehow. And I did my first Spartan race in 2013 while I was doing CrossFit still. It was a stadium race in Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park. And it went like fairly well. I was like top 10, missed a couple obstacles. It was fine. And then I, I then didn't really come back to Spartan until 2016. And that's when I really started to kind of commit to it because I was still kind of doing the CrossFit thing. But like I said before, I wasn't really committed totally to that because it wasn't exactly where I want. It was it didn't have my heart. And then Spartan Race was, was sort of similar. It took me a little bit of time to get there. And it's not it's not the exact mix of things that I was looking for, but it was closer. Right. Sure. And then so I did that I did Spartan Race from 2016 to 2000 uh I, I still do it a little bit. Whatever. I was on the I was on the yeah. pro team on in 2020 and 2021. And then that's kind of when I first saw the hybrid stuff, like the DecaFit and the High Rocks. That first High Rocks race that I really even saw was in 2019, I think, 2020. Yep. And that was, and that was it. I was like, okay, like this is coming at the twilight of my athletic career, but at least it's here, you know. And I still sure. have these pieces. I still have the dedicate, the time, and the dedication, and like the the willingness to put myself toward it. So like, this is the thing. So yeah, 2021 was my first. DecaFit in West Palm. That was in May. That was my first real time, but I've kind of been training that way for a decade at that point. Sure. Just because that's the way I like to do it. Yeah. Now I I was kind of surprised that it took as long as it did for these type of events to like take off. Like I almost thought those would have been the first kind of events created because CrossFit was so big and CrossFit, you know, you're doing, I mean, geez, you're doing pushed your, you know, like you're doing cleans and hand cleans and then you're doing, you know, kipping pull-ups and then you're doing like just crazy stuff. That, a lot like, of skill more, work. Yeah. Skill work. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, almost like if I was like, Hey, let's go do an NFL combine for time. Like <laughs> right, people are like, Holy shit. No, I can't do that. But then if like CrossFit for some reason had like people thinking they could just walk in and do, you know, snatches and shit. Right. Which is, you know, some people can learn quickly, but competitively it's hard to get into. Like it takes time. Mm-hmm. So, but I was like, man, like it would, it would have made more sense. I mean, Spartan was taking off because I think it gave people a challenge that they could see themselves doing, or at least see themselves crossing the finish line. But I'm like, high rocks and Deca were like so much more accessible, at least in my head. I was like, I could see so many, you know, people going from couch to Deca fit and like just having a great time. Like it's hard, but like they're having a great time doing it, not getting hurt. Like, I don't know. I just thought, man, it would have taken off sooner, but it's here now, which is great. It's here now. And yeah, that's interesting. I haven't quite thought about what, like the timeline of things. And maybe it was just that CrossFit spoke to the people who 
did play baseball or played football growing up, right? Yeah. Where if it was something like DECA or High Rocks, it's still very endurance centric. You know, you can look at it and be like, I'm still not a very good runner. You know, mm-hmm. where in, in, in CrossFit you go and it's like, ah, I, or I need to just build some muscle, lose some weight type of thing. It's like a different, it's like a gym alternative. And that's kind of where they did such a good job of building out this methodology that it was easy to understand, even though every CrossFit gym is different. That's still like, you know, it might not be called CrossFit. Sometimes if people see it, but when you see it, you know what yeah. it's steeped in. It's like, okay, this, you're not calling it CrossFit, but this is still kind of what CrossFit is. And maybe that's just what they beat everybody to the punch for, because I, I believe in this style of training and racing. And I think it's going to be something that people are going to want to do. It's like, want to be strong, want to be fast and want to have good endurance. It's just like these three pillars that just make sense for people to, that like, it's a digestible challenge for people to take on. So I think it, I think it's going to do well. What are your thoughts? Do you oh, see, yeah. do you see it like in down the road? Oh yeah. I think this is like, so just, we, we actually tested something. We created our own hybrid event for our clients, right? So oh, nice. Like we, we host these, you know, client events where we specialize in just helping people lose weight, right. And get a better shape, improve their lifestyle. And we did a live event back in uh, June and we hosted like a, we call it the true eight. Um, and it's basically eight, eight events, you know, similar eight events, to the, sim- the same thing. You run only a total of a mile though, kind of like the deck of mile. So, you know, it's a little more accessible for people who are like, eh, don't know how to run yet or don't know how to, don't want to hurt myself. And dude, um, everybody and dude, who did it was like, oh, I want to do it again. Like, hmm. I want to do it again. Right. And then at Chicago, I took a team of eight people, some clients and some of my coaches and stuff like that. And everybody did it. Dude, I'm telling you, I've been getting texts like since then, like, oh, what I, I need to get on a plan. Like what I need to do this again. Like it's, it's in a, it bites people right in a good way. And I felt way too, just interacting with people at these events where it's like, they can't wait to do the next one. And that feeling of crossing the finish line and be like, well, I did it. Like, actually I crushed that. That was fun. I think it's going to take off weight like Spartan. I see sometimes people limping through and go, I'll never do that again. (laughs) It's just really hard. Yeah. Sometimes it's too hard. (laughs) It's brutal. But I mean, there's still obviously a huge, huge pool for Spartan, but I just think these, these decas and high rocks type of stuff. I mean, I just think, man, like, especially with these gyms, I mean, the genius idea behind getting these affiliates, you know, to mm-hmm. you know host these smaller deco events. Oh my gosh. Like I'm doing one this Saturday. I'm doing the deco mile, uh, this Saturday at a local gym, a buddy of mine owns and like, there's 50 people coming out to do it. And it's like, it's just incredible. Like, I mean, it's a great celebration of fitness and I think it's really going to continue to grow for sure. I've been pretty surprised about how well the affiliate program has done as well. Just, I have, uh, some athletes who are preparing just for like Deca strong and Deca mile where I thought Deca fit was going to kind of be this, uh, you know, pinnacle event. And, but there's these other things that are speaking to people as much or even more. It's like stepping stones. Right. And I also think too, like Deca fit, they don't have enough events yet just to be real. I don't think they have enough, like, you know, like like Spartan, you go to a Spartan basically every weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, Deck of fit. You, I don't know how many total events there was, but it feels like there was probably less like six. Than, yeah. I was going to say it was like eight or something like that. There's one in Jersey in a couple of weeks. I'm going to try to do, oh, nice. um, you know, but it's like, you know, I think as they grow locations and, and you know, you start to have people who can go, Oh, I can jump into a deck of fit every couple of weeks within three hours from me. You know, then I think that there's probably more people, but like the deck of mile and deck of strong, like there's literally one or the other near my house every weekend. Like I could drive two hours and do one. It's pretty amazing. I'm I'm taking a flight back. So I live in, in Colorado now, mm. and I grew up in like Eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, so I'm flying home to Philadelphia tomorrow, and I just wow. happened to be on the website. And in this my hometown, town called Eastern Pennsylvania, there's a deck of strong. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I guess I'm doing this on Saturday. So I'm doing a deck of strong on Saturday. It's like, all right, I'm great, I'm doing taking on this, <laughs> yeah, I'm taking this advantage. <laughs> so I think that they really did a good job with that, and that's going to help people understand what a deck of fit is. Um, where, yeah. where on Hyrox, it seems like Hyrox is trying to do something similar now is trying to affiliate and they have something similar like that PFT. Have you done that? No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're kind of jumping into gyms and trying to do the same thing, like create awareness. And, and they're just keeping all of their uh, events in the four major markets that they've deemed. So it's like New York, Chicago, LA, and Dallas. And they're just mm-hmm. going to go there and just grow at each of those spots before they expand to other other areas, um, which I also think is a good idea. They're kind of being patient, but it's, 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 it's going to be frustrating. 
but well, they're German. <laughs> very precise. My right. my wife is from uh, Hamburg, actually, where High Rocks originated. <laughs> and uh, so it's just funny because she's like, I explained to her, you know, like the differences in the organization and how whatever. She's like, oh, yeah, they're German. Makes sense. <laughs> okay. okay. You so have real insight. Yeah. Very, very patient. They're not like, yeah, they're just, they're just going to hammer away at what they're really good at and it'll grow. Right. But I, I've done both now. I think they're both great. I think that just it, they're the perfect competitors for each other. Um, and it'll, it'll, one will feed the other, right. It'll just be, it'll be tremendous. I think so too. And when Decca came out, it was clearly a ripoff. Right? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm friends with Yancey and I was like, bro, listen, like you, you definitely copied him. He's like, this is hey, the same. It's like, it's 10, not eight. Yeah. <laughs> right. but, but, but I think you're right. I think you, I think you are right that they are going to, and I've really liked how the seasons have kind of lined up where, uh, the high rocks championship was in the spring and this one and deck is going to be in the fall. So it's kind of allowing people if they wanted to, to kind of separate their seasons out instead of just like being head to head competitors. It's been complimentary, which I think That's is pretty awesome. nice. Yeah. So let's talk about training for these things. Cause I have so many people that after they listen to this, obviously they're going to be like, all right, I need, I need some help. So right. you, so I follow your workouts that you put out. Um, I followed them for, uh, Decafit for Chicago. Like I religiously, cause I'm, I'm one of those guys that like, I, I kind of fall back into like, okay, I'm going to do what I'm comfortable with. Even though I've been in, you know, working out forever. I'm like just a creature of habit. So I was like, I'm going to, you know, follow someone else's structured plan to get ready for Decafit Chicago. And I did, I followed your prep for Chicago and it resulted in a, a good time for someone my size and my experience. Like I think I did 37, 33. That was my my first deck of it, not bad, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think you probably beat me by like whatever, 20 minutes or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter. We won't talk about that. But um, so let's talk about like the the basics, which I think running, if we're being fair for both all these events, is kind of the basics. How does someone start becoming a good enough runner to do these things? Yeah. So that's kind of the question, right? It, with DecaFit, it's a little easier because the strength component, it's not incredibly demanding, right? Where if you were to jump into a high rocks, you're going to need that strength element and it could actually pay off for you as much or more than even the running part, even though it's quite a mm. bit. So <clears throat> are we talking about someone who's brand new or someone? So I have a theory and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So yeah. what we do with our coaching program is we don't push people to run. Who are at, who are not like physically strong enough to even like do basic stuff, right? So we have a path that people lose. You know, they get in, down to a healthy level of body fat. You know, athletic level, and that doesn't have to be ripped or shredded or whatever, but just athletic to where they feel good. And then we encourage them to go into a performance goal, right? After mm-hmm. they've spent some time strengthening their movement patterns, you know, improving their mobility you know, obviously fixing their health and getting more sunlight and all that good stuff. Then saying, all right, you know what, now that you've gotten in better shape, let's start using your body, right? Let's Mm. start using it at its, at its, you know, potential. So yes, I don't necessarily recommend running for a fat loss tool. It's a little bit too destructive and it's, it can be pretty frustrating for people that uh, are just kind of coming into it in terms of, like just the demands on your body. So if you're starting off, like, yeah, making sure that you have just like the fundamentals down in, in terms of just movement and, and just skill and just maybe focusing a little bit more on like the running form piece. Cause the easiest thing in the world is just to go out and just run how you did in like gym class, right? You put on your shoes, go out and, and just do the thing and, and see how it feels but like taking some time to focus on like your running form the same way that you would do your squat form. Right. When you're first learning your squat, the first thing you gotta do is learn how to hip hinge. When you're running, the first thing you should really kind of look for is how how are you approaching the ground? Like where where is your body? Where how is it advantageous? How where is your foot in accordance to like your hips? Where is it going to be more powerful? Making sure that you're not overstriding and using, using the mechanics of your body, body to your advantage, which is something that's a little bit overlooked because it's easy just to go out and, and do it. Right. There's not a high level of what people would perceive as skill for running. But taking just a little bit of time to think about it, you don't have to overthink it, but just doing a little bit of research on what proper running mechanics might be like, and then just kind of putting that into practice. And that actually ends up being much more of a mindfulness practice than a physical practice, because like, where's my foot? Where, how, how's my breathing? Where am I breathing my chest or my diaphragm? And like, 
where am I feeling pain? Where am I feeling discomfort? And, and why can you attribute that to that? So I think that's a really good place to start if we're talking about just the fundamentals is taking like a little bit of time to, to think about like running patterns. Are you more of a, and we want to nerd out too much on running form. I, I tore my bicep, just, it, this is like a crazy story, but I tore my bicep back in 2019 doing a Spartan race in Austin. And I was just being an idiot. I, I knew I did a, a ring. I was trying to one arm swing a ring. I'm 200 at the time. I was 230, way too bent, big to be doing bent, that. Bent arm. Well, I tried to bend my arm at mid swing, which, you know, when you put oh. a lot of tension on that tendon rapidly, that's where the snap happens. Right. Did so it roll I had up? surgery. Oh yeah. It, I had a nice baseball next to my shoulder. <laughs> it was awful. Uh, pain, t- pain wise. There was no pain. It was like the weirdest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the surgery was extremely painful. It was the worst. So I had a period of about 12 months following that surgery where I didn't lift heavy. Uh, and I just got into running, like really said, okay, I'm going to fix, if nothing else, I'm going to fix my running form. Hmm. I was a heel striker going into it. Um, my, you know, my, my pace, my, my steps per minute or whatever was probably like 150. It was really yeah. slow. Right. You know, so I'm like overstriding like crazy. And for people listening, like, this is just like how many times your foot hits the ground, you know, like per minute or whatever. Per minute, right. Yeah. So I was trying to work on getting it to 180, you know, like really rapid pace and then not heel striking. And so since then, you know, if I record myself running, I don't heel strike anymore. I'm more like mid to, uh, you know, four foot. Um, my, my strides are probably like around 165 to 170. So I, I still struggle to get to 180. But I'll tell you what, it sucked <laughs> learning that because I went through a lot of running injuries, right? My knees hurt, my tendons, hmm. everything hurt. Nowadays, it's rare that anything pops up, right? Hmm. Like any the calves are tight sometimes. Like right now, my calves are tight. But overall, it prevented me from like having these aches and pains. So I, I would agree with you. I think running form is, but I'm curious to know, what do you think, like if someone's just looking for low-hanging fruit with running form, what are like the, like, is it the strides permit? Like is it overstriding or is it like where your foot hits? What do you think? It's, it's like, they kind of work together and all the running form. Once you start to uh, pull one piece out, like it all kind of falls into place. Right. So what you're talking about is a really good place to start with the strides per minute and to change your strides per minute, you're going to probably have to change where you're landing, right? The more strides, the quicker the, your pace becomes with your cadence, the shorter your strides are going to have to become. So just naturally, if you're going from like, 150 to 165, let's say, you're going to have to either stride more frequently. And to do that, you usually have to pull your foot a little bit closer back to your hips. Mm. The the number 180 is a little arbitrary. Is, is, like is it just kind of one that it, it, it kind of fits nicely. And the way that we kind of came up with that was, I think it was Jack Daniels, the running coach who was, uh, was a pentathlete, was watching like an Olympic five care, 10 care, something like that. And notice that the cadence on pretty much every one of the runners was about the same. And then when they would go faster, it would just like increase their hip angle and they would go a little bit further, but they wouldn't necessarily go that much faster. But the problem with that anecdote is that everybody in like an Olympic 10 K is five, nine, one right? So everybody's like body mechanics are kind of the same, right? So it's not necessarily this like cure-all for, for someone like you or I, who might be a little bit on the bigger, how, how tall are you? Like six, like six, six one, one, six, yeah. one. Yeah. Like that, that might not be uh, like realistic for everyone to do, but speeding it up a little bit could be, and, and usually it's because of an overstride and, and listening to your body and what signals that they're sending you is going to kind of tell you what it is. And most running injuries are going to be from overuse, from overstriding shin splints, like runner's knee, uh, it band stuff is really bad. What, what did you have? Did you have it band? I had runner's knee. That was like the biggest thing. Um, mm-hmm. I just couldn't shake the the knee issue. Like it would start, it would literally, you know, tighten up. Like um, I, I, I'd, ba- I'd basically be able to time it. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go out for a two mile <laughs> run and a mile in, I'm going to, it's going to tighten up. Right. And it did, and it was very frustrating. So I started doing cross, like uh, cross training. I do the bike, right? I do a lot of like road biking. I couldn't train lifting wise with my bicep. So, but then I hired Yancey. That's how I met Yancey. Oh, nice. Um, I went down to one of his camps. It was like two hours from me back then. And uh, he just sat with me for like, we worked together for like 30 minutes. And he was like, you're going to do, you know, he called it the A drill, B drill, C drill. You're going to do a sled drag and like all this stuff. And I just said, all right, I'm going all in because I can't lift. And I just worked on it for a solid six months. And 
got a lot better. My injuries went away and I felt more comfortable running. And I, and I love your experience from it. Cause you already said like that you're not quite at 180, but you're still, you, you are accomplishing the goal that you set out to do. Like you're going to be a more efficient runner. You're not going to be injured. And that's a big part of it. Like the yep. pain is, is the, is one of the bigger limiters for an athlete to advance because they just don't want to do it or just like hurts. Or you have to take some time off to, to help your body heal. But if you can be efficient, there's really like the ceiling is really high for the amount of work that you can put in. Oh yeah. So I'm still trying to figure that out. Though. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to scale up my running efficiency because mm-hmm. so, I, I get to a point where I'm running, you know, let's call it 12 miles a week or something. It's, mm-hmm. it's low, I, but it's like, you know, three to four sessions of like three to four miles. And I'm doing that without any pain. And then I have a day where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to five miles this time. And then I'm like, shit, like <laughs> I'm a little sore and like my next run's not as great. And it's just like figuring out what my body can handle is, is still a, a chess game for me. So there's this rule of thumb, like the 10% rule. Have you heard of this for, for yeah, running? Like not increasing your volume by more than 10%. By more than 10%. And that's a pretty safe place to be if you want if you want to build up for a specific event like a half marathon or a marathon or something like that. Or if like you're dead set on like on increasing your, your volume, like 10% is a pretty easy kind of way to go on that. But for something like DecaFit, you can increase your capacity to do work on the machines. So it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be specifically toward running because you know, when you're working in that aerobic and like anaerobic threshold type of area, you can build like global endurance on several different implements. So that's, what's kind of nice about this, but this is also where the puzzle kind of comes in, right? It's like how much running the the event is half running. So like, should I focus all my time there or like how much rowing and skiing and where, and where to kind of build that out? Like, how does that all kind of fit into place? Sure. Like I would, I'm, I'm wondering too about like high rocks. So I did, I did a high rocks uh, in New York earlier this year and I was, it was a, it was a, a wake up call because <laughs> I had done Deca uh, mile, Deca strong. And I was like, Oh yeah, I can handle the ski. I can handle the rower. It's double the distance, mm-hmm. but I can handle it. Right. I'm really efficient on those m- machines. Then I did the sled at high rocks and I was like, I thought I was strong and I am pretty strong, but running and then, you know, doing the ski, running again, then getting to that damn sled. I felt like I was pushing 800 pounds. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> how long did, how long did it take you? Ooh, I don't know my split because I did a team event oh, with, uh, okay. with, with my buddy who's a good runner, but I had, so just so you know how it went, he's a great runner. I'm a stronger lifter. So we were going to share each station. It, that worked great with the ski. We got to the sled. I did the first, you know, length of the, of the field or whatever. He got on, he said, I can't do this. Can't do it. <laughs> so I pushed the whole thing. That was, by the way, that was the race there. He was probably going to listen to this show and I love him to death. He's awesome. Um, but that was the race. Like we literally were in third place going into that station. I was like, we're done. It's over. It's wrap. I can no longer run. You can't it's do the strength stuff. Yeah. That's it's funny because the team dynamic, it seems like that would make sense, but it's almost yeah. like you're almost better off kind of having two people that are closer to each other. Um, because on the run, like he can't run, it's not like a relay, you know? Right. So yeah. like you gas yourself on the sled and you'd be like, and this is his strength in the run. And he has to kind of like, wait for you. It took, <laughs> it took at least three more runs for me to get my, my win back. Like to, to start, you know, because for me, you know, like when you do DECA, I, I know I've gotten to the point now where the runs where I recover, it's like where I'm like, oh man, I feel good. Like by going to the next station, I'm like, okay, I got my breath back now. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I couldn't get my breath back at high rocks. I was like, I can't get my breath back after that sled. It was so bad. I, I got burned, but I'm, I'm not going to do that this time. I'm gonna, I learned my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of things that's like pacing it on there. or just like being like prepared for the muscular endurance part. Like yes. if you think about it, the sled push in high rocks is going to take anywhere, anybody from like three to like six minutes or something like that. If you do a back squat set for like, say you're doing 60% of your one rep max and you do it for three and a half minutes, that's going to be like 40 reps. Oh my <laughs> it's like 35, 40 reps. And imagine how you're going to feel after that. So it's well, kind of similar. You, you to had that. me do that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> how'd, how'd that go? That was awesome. I yeah. Squat and bench are my two strongest things. So it felt great. I love that superset, by the way, especially they're both like, you know, pushing movements, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, different parts of the body. But yeah, I love, I love that. And I, but I could immediately, it's so funny you brought this up because I, I was like, why does he have this program like this? But then I was like, ah, okay. Because 
It's the muscular endurance factor. Mm -hmm. where I'm going to need my legs. I'm going to need my pushing muscles at the same time. So we're super mm -hmm. saying, ah, made, made perfect sense. I'm like, this is such good programming. <laughs> Pre appreciate that. And that's the thing, like trying to figure out and, and like the muscular endurance and how much work that needs to be done. Like you're not necessarily going to get that from, from running. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with the rower or the skier. Like you may be the best runner that you come to that, but the muscular endurance that you have in like your hips and core or like your quads for the row, that's going to kind of burn you out a little bit. And it's going to take a lot away from your run. So being able to do both of the elements that you need to do or all the elements and, and having the endurance and, and like your muscular, just like your musculature and just being able to understand like where your threshold is on all of them. Mm -hmm. It's important to do those things like, 20 rep back squats, you know, sure. and, and just to see how you're feeling and what that kind of is going to kind of feel like after. So for running, I, cause I know a lot of people, this is like where their, their issue lies. Right. Um, mm -hmm. one of the things that I noticed has helped me is really forcing myself to run slower. Right. Like, mm -hmm. and, and not, not so much slower, like pace wise, but like not push my, myself to, you know, an intense run. Right my rule of thumb, because I don't always wear a heart rate tracker. Like my Garmin will tell me what my heart rate is, but I always think it's like off by a little bit. Right. On the wrist. It's not great. Yeah. So I, I do have the chest strap, but I'm just OCD. So like it bothers me when I run. So when I'm running, I typically just try to have a conversation with myself. Right. Like I'm just talking like I'll even funny enough, I'll do like a live video with my team, like while I'm running, <laughs> nice. just so I can literally make sure that I'm talking while I run. Um, In terms is of that like easy so runs? I would say the way you program, at least it seems like about 80% of them are relatively easy runs where you're just able to have a conversation while you run. And then there's like 10 to 20% of the stuff that's like pretty high intense. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And that's a good way to, to do it like the talk test. And another way that you could do that is by nasal breathing is just making mm. sure that you're breathing in through your nose. So you're real, you're a real psychopath. <laughs> if you, if you want to check in, have you ever tried that? Yes. No, I, I was, the funniest story is I tried it. And then one of my buddies who's in the running, I said, Hey man, you know what? I think I figured this whole thing out. Cause I, it sucked for me. I was like, this is so like hard. And uh, I said, Hey, you, what you got to do is you got to like nasal breathe, you know, it's like literally like try to tape your mouth or something and go run. He was like, okay, I'm going to try. <laughs> he messaged me like, you're not a very good friend. Like that was, that was really rough, man. Like, what is your problem? I was like, yeah, I know. Dude. Like that, it'll wake you up quick. You're like, Whoa, I got to slow down. Yeah, for sure. I almost need to do those in intervals, right? When you start doing it, like do a minute of nasal breathing, see what yeah. happens to your pace, minute of regular breathing, but it's just like a good check-in. Like, how am I feeling? Because you can get, you can get excited and you can kind of get in a rhythm and you can still be below your like anaerobic threshold, which is like really where you're going to start to feel that like sensation to slow down. You can be running too fast and still under that. And a lot of it has to do with just like the musculature of, of, of the damage that gets that you're going to take on. Mm. And that's why you want to supply, like do a lot of supplemental easy running and also building those aerobic pathways. It really are going to help with the harder efforts down the road. So where we are going to get better is through those harder, faster efforts or those like, really specific like DECA type efforts where you are going to kind of be in that anaerobic threshold where you're going to be not using only oxygen for your, your fueling of like to your muscles where you're going to need to start using some lactate and the byproduct of the lactate is what we feel like that burning, right? When we yes. feel like we need to slow down, you can feel it in your legs, you may feel it in your stomach. You can kind of feel it globally, you kind of feel it everywhere. But if you have a big enough aerobic system built, it helps recycle that byproduct. And where a lot of people mm -hmm. skip is not doing the fundamental aerobic work. So when they do the hard work, they're able to take that byproduct and run it back through the system and have it kind of recycled into energy again. So a lot of times people come into this and it's like high intensity. I got to feel what the race is going to be like. I want to go as hard as I can, like CrossFit's this way too. And like, that's not necessarily a performance modality when you're just taking classes. It's just a class to get fit. Right. So people want to take this intensity model and just put it toward their goal event. And they just are aerobically deficient. So building that aerobic system helps the anaerobic stuff and it helps you do more of that work because ultimately that that's where you're going to perform better. The more lack, the more it's called pyruvate, but it's also like lactate is what they uh, basically are called. The more of that you can produce and the more of that you can recycle through the higher level you can perform. But if you mm -hmm. don't 
recycle it through that aerobic system. You're just going to have too much byproduct and you're going to slow down. So it's okay to like, so when you program, and I'm speaking based off what I've used in the program, when you program these higher intensity, more like event, similar uh, to the event, similar to the workouts, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like, like, for example, the one that I wanted to curse you out was uh, <laughs> where I think I had to do like a run and then the bike, then a run again, right. <laughs> and then a bike. And then it was like, I had to do each of the, the machines like twice, like the ski twice. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like I'm going to die. But those, that is the workout where you are trying to get better at the performance. The slow stuff is so that when I'm working on getting better, my body is more efficient at turning things over and getting me the energy that I need, right? So it's just the machine almost gets like, it's almost like uh, a row machine. It's, I'm cleaning the row machine, the, the chain, making sure it's nice and it works perfect in my slow runs so that when I do hit it hard, I can, I can, that I thing, can, right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm performing better. So it's good to go all in like, or whatever, you know, pace yourself a little faster on the hard stuff, but just don't make the hard stuff all the time. Make the lion's share of your workouts, more of the aerobic stuff, the, the easier stuff. You're going to miss a lot of the benefits of the hard work. If you're not mm. doing the easy work and like an analogy I like to use for that is if you have like an assembly line in a factory, right. And you want to increase production. And if you, the first thing you try to do is just speed up the conveyor belt, right? Eventually the employees that you have on that, on the assembly line, won't be able to keep up with the work and things will back up. You have to slow things down again. That's essentially if you're just doing hard work, but if you do the aerobic work, that's like hiring more employees. It's like getting more hands on the assembly line. So then eventually you can speed up that line and they can handle the work. But that one, um, I love that analogy. That makes so much sense. Okay. Yeah. Being a business person, I'm like, okay, now I get it. (laughs) Let me go go do my slow run. Yeah. Cause it's, it's the hardest thing. I'll tell you for me, at least being the competitor and also just like I run in the heat, which is also a whole other world. Humidity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, your heart rate just goes like it's, Mm -hmm. it's the worst. So it's, I I joke around with the guys say the hardest workouts I do are my easy runs because I'm working so hard on slowing down. Right. Like, okay. Cause dude, I don't know what you're feel free to just literally embarrass me real quick. But like I, my slow pace sometimes like creeps to like nine minute, nine and a half minute miles. Right. Which is like, dude, I feel like a turtle (laughs) because I'm once again, I'm playing the comparison game. Because right. I'm watching you guys run and you're doing deca fit at like five minute mile pace. And I'm like, I'm never going to like, I might as well just like, you know, I'll just join the open group. Like I just, you know, but it's fine. I'm not like making fun of anyone who runs, but it's just for someone who really has put a lot of effort into running. It gets sometimes frustrating to go run your slow runs and be like, oh my God, I'm creeping up towards a 10 minute mile today. Right. Like, cause I'm purposely running slow and keeping my heart rate down. Like it, it's just frustrating, but I'm it also a bigger the- guy. So. It takes discipline yeah, to, yeah. to do that. <laughs> it truly it. does. You know, yeah. it's like, and it's, it is hard because you get into, you start thinking about it. You're like, all right, yeah. Like my next race, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And like, you start to get in your head, you start thinking about business and get all fired up. But like pulling it back is, and just knowing that there is purpose behind that. It's, it, it goes a long way, you know, it goes a long way for the aerobic system and for your just feeling okay on your body, like letting your muscles recover a little bit while getting in some productive work. What, what are your slow runs pace? What, what, what do you look like? It's like <laughs> b- b- between like, you know, 640 and 710 or something like Jesus. that. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing be, it a long time. I've been doing I, it a long time. You'd be over the horizon by the time we, by the time I got going. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it just, I guess it just shows what's possible. I mean, so I'm curious because looking at your physique, I wouldn't say like, I look at your physique and go, oh, he's a runner, right? Mm. You, you definitely look more like a, an athlete. So how do you balance your strength training and your runs? Like, what does that balance look like every week? Cause you maintain a decent amount of muscle. Like you're mm-hmm. not a, like you're, you're also ripped. So it's like, you know, people are probably going to look at you and go, well, how do you maintain both sides of the spectrum? Cause the, you know, like the guys who run Spartan super fast, like uh, what's his name? Um, BJ Jones or whatever. I feel like lean. he doesn't carry any muscle. Like he's mm-hmm. like super skinny, lean. He flies. He runs like five and a half minute miles the whole way or whatever. But like, how do you maintain that balance for yourself? So this is definitely something I've had to put a lot of thought into after my first high rocks experience where somebody like the sleds killed me and I, I, I wasn't able to access my running ability, which is my strength because of how much the station work was taken out of me. And 
the best way I feel like I could combat that is by getting bigger and stronger, right? So going out of my way to kind of ditch the the runner physique and even being more lean, like a, like a VJ Jones, like a Ryan Atkins kind of very lean type of body and be like, I need to then put on this muscle. So I feel like I like two strength days a week is enough for me to continue to stay, to, to actually put on muscle. And I'd be interested to have this conversation with you because you're, you're dialed in on the nutrition side of things. Mm. I've found a lot of success in really dialing in where my nutrition needs to be in terms of my caloric input and doing that. It's like a mass gaining phase, mm-hmm. right? It is eating a ton. And I think it is cap- you're, it's possible. I mean, I'm doing it to run and do a lot of endurance work and put on muscle through having a dialed in diet. So I think sure. that's the one thing that I've been able to do that. I think a lot of people will overlook. They'll probably just be like, all right, well, I need to do hypertrophy training, Four, day, four to five days a week in the gym to get bigger, but then you're just missing out on all of the aerobic work that is really the crux of, mm. of the, of the events and of like your fitness. So trying to meet those nutrition demands, man. It's what do you, a- what do you, what do you take in calorie wise on average? So it depends on where, what my, what my work is looking like that day. And I have sure. this tool that I actually kind of developed for an endurance athlete. I can, I'll, I'll send it over your way. So if you want to take a sure. look at it, it's, um, Basically, it just kind of takes the work that you did that day and tells you how many calories to to eat, right? Like mostly, right. most of these calculators that you find are for people that might be a little more sedentary and just need to lose, you know, 10 to 50 pounds or whatever. So like if an endurance athlete uses that, it's hard for them to really know because their expenditure is so much more. And then when you try to calculate how much an endurance athlete needs to eat to gain weight, it's just oh, like, yeah. where, where does that even start? So it could be anywhere from... 3,500 to 5,000 or something like that per day. Yeah, it so, makes sense. I was going to, yeah. that was where I would guess. I, my guess was like 4,000 a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'm being, it probably across the board, if I average out every day, it's probably like 4,200 or something like that. Yeah. I, I, so it's funny because like I have clients that we work with that work out twice a week and the rest of the time they're just walking, doing, you know, basic aerobic work, not intense cardio, nothing like that. And they gain a significant amount of muscle over time because nutrition, right? They're getting, mm-hmm. they're, they're religious about eating enough food, getting enough protein, right? Which is obviously the big one, but also enough of the fuel sources, carbs and fats to support the hormonal environment, right? Especially as a guy, like you need carbs and fats to optimize your testosterone. Like you mm-hmm. just do, right? Like the keto stuff, you know, no offense. Like, yeah, it works great for like endurance stuff. But like, I bet you if we check testosterone levels of like the guy who just won the 200 mile, whatever it was, his testosterone is going to be in the tank probably, mm. right? Cause he went mm. keto and then he's just running. He's not lifting as much. So if you're trying to pack on muscle or at least add a little bit of muscle tissue, you need testosterone optimized. You need your fuel, you know, your glycogen optimized and uh, you need enough calories. Like that's it. And if you knock that stuff out, I mean, the lifting, the recovery is where you build anyway. So if you're think running, you know, running is muscle only if your nutrition isn't dialed in, if there's nothing else, Exactly. Right. Muscle body doesn't really like it. It may not want to carry bodybuilder level of muscle, like cartoon character level of muscle, but it does want some muscle. Muscle is very, very beneficial to fight off disease and combat illness and stuff like that. So it wants some. So it doesn't necessarily want to burn off all your muscle. Like that's a total myth. Right, and that's where you'll you'll see a lot of endurance athletes. They get upper respiratory infections pretty mm. often because probably because of the lack of muscle and because of the, how like the dry air going in and out, like it's kind of, it's, it's so sure. don't get sick often. <laughs> if, yeah. And that's, and it's, so, and another thing I've been thinking about a lot too, because when you look at the research around the concurrent training, like some of the earliest stuff is very much based around strength and optimal strength, right? So they're like the first study in like 1980, we're going way back was that they took a control group, a group that did strength and endurance and a group that just did strength. And the strength and endurance group both went up for a while. And eventually the endurance group kind of tailored off. It was still going up, but the exponential rate of strength that the just a strength group was much higher. And it was like, oh, okay. So if you want to get as strong as possible, don't do endurance work, which I think is true, but it doesn't mean you can't get strong and do endurance work. You know, sure. so I think, I think some of these things get mixed around, like the different pathways of like using like mTOR, for example, is the muscle sig- like 
helps with muscle uh, protein synthesis and just that signal to grow muscle. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, yes, the work that you're doing, but also the amount of available um, glucose, right? Mm. So if you're, if you're not, if you're not, if you're running low on that, it's probably going to inhibit that muscle building signal. But if you're eating enough and keeping your nutrition up, like it should still be available for you. Totally. So it's, it's, it's trying to figure out and it's not necessarily steeped in science yet, but trying to see where that goes. But that's my theory. If you're eating enough and you're doing two to three strength training sessions and, and doing it in a way that is supposed to build muscle kind of having some sort of progression going into hypertrophy phasing, coming out of it into doing some regular, uh, maximum strength building pr- progressions. Like it should work. Totally. Yeah. I, I would always argue that a big reason why you don't see more like endurance athletes with muscle or like a, a decent amount of muscles, they literally just don't like do the things you just said, right? Like they don't, they don't spend the time with progressive overload or, you know, spend the time lifting heavier or, you know, really dialing in their protein intake and their recovery and their sleep and like all that stuff. Right. But if you're serious about being a hybrid athlete, like, you know, you'll see, like, I think the physiques clearly show now, like we start to see some of the top guys like you and, and uh, Ryan Kent, right. Yep. Um, Hunter. Yeah. Hunter, these physiques, like if I show these physiques to people, they're like, Oh shit. Like that person's jacked. Right. Like they're not like, Oh yeah, he's a, you know, he probably runs 500 miles on the weekend. Right. Like, no, it's like that person looks like he could play football. Right. <laughs> like that's what they look like. They, you know, these, these are like, like CrossFit guys almost. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can totally build muscle, totally build muscle and be a great endurance athlete too. Yeah. And I think a little bit of the endurance piece of the athletes, not necessarily putting in that work is, is still, about kind of the mindset that I had when I was in college, right? It's like, I don't need to be bigger. I, I need to be lighter. Um, and I, I, I'm sure there's some tipping point of where the muscle is going to be a little bit more harmful for you to carry around. But if you're doing it at a young age, I bet there could be some pretty jacked, super fast runners. It's just not there yet. I just don't, and hopefully down the road because the awareness of these eating issues and just the mental toll that it takes on high level endurance athletes is being a little bit more exposed now. So I think it will change and we'll probably see performance go up because of it. Totally. Totally. Yeah. The tipping point you reference is me. (laughs) 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 215 pounds at 8% body fat. Yeah. It's probably not the best for running. It's a lot of oxygen you got to get around, but 8% is pretty lean. Have you thought about trying to ditch it? Cause once muscles on, it's on there, dude, I, you know, I lift, very so first of all i don't train legs as much i do your workouts now so like i literally just do your workouts which is much less volume strength wise mm-hmm. than I, what i'm used to and the scary part is man i'm getting stronger <laughs> <laughs> so i don't think the muscle's going anywhere so it's like i'm I, I can't purposely like go into a big calorie deficit and try to like perform that's how you get hurt right so it's mm-hmm. like i'll feel like crap my workouts will suck and then i'll be frustrated so I'm just going to kind of embrace it, right? Like it is what it is. Um, I'll probably shave off another couple pounds getting ready for high rocks and be super, super lean, but it is what it is. I've built muscle over the past 20 plus years. So it's kind of like you with running. It's like, you've been doing it for so long. It's not like you can't just stop being a good runner. Like you just are right. So it is what it is, but yeah, it's not optimal. I would ideally like, I think Hunter I think he's like 195 when he does like high rocks or something like that. When he's at his like performance, like 190, he's about six, two. Yeah. He's, he's, I, he's like also like an anomaly. I feel like he's bigger than like what you would probably want in some cases, but like you and Ryan Kent, I would say that's like the muscle that you need and not too much to where you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't breathe. Like this is too mm-hmm. much. Like, um, I don't know. I do but really yeah. well in Spartan races because I feel like I don't need to be as fast there. I just need to be efficient and like, just basically maintain the pace the whole time. Like just keep going versus like deck where you need almost need the red line. Like <laughs> the you need some higher line. end. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So anyway, I know we're up on time. Um, so where can people, cause we'll I'll have to have you back, man. We'll have to have you back within Definitely. like the next uh, couple months before we do high rocks in New York. Where can people connect with you and start to use some of the stuff I've been using to get ready for these events? Yeah, of course. Thank you. It's um, at reinforcerunning.com is my website. You can check me out on Instagram, reinforce underscore running underscore rich, uh, rich Ryan reinforce running on YouTube and reinforce running podcast. If you're actually interested in like the nerdy stuff and like actually following the sport of 
hybrid and OCR. We have a uh, kind of a media podcast called race brain, where it's just kind of like talking about the athletes and things like much less content like this, but if you're looking for content like this, check out uh, YouTube and the podcast. I was going to say, we'll, we'll have to talk all, offline, but I think your YouTube channel has been invaluable for me. Like it's been mm. incredible um, Thank you. watching kind of binge watching your stuff uh, just to get ready for, for these events. Um, I thought the one you did, and I would encourage people to watch this because it was a really good like background walkthrough of, I don't know who recorded you doing the event at, at one point, but like you were talking through all the stations while watching you do it. Like that, if someone wants to do this race, I would watch those videos because you'll get a good sense for like how the race goes, the thought process behind things. And then you also get to feel really crappy about yourself because you'll be like, yeah, I ran that, I ran that one slow. And my split was like, you know, a 530 mile. And I go, oh shit. Yeah, that was really slow, man. Apple. <laughs> I'm like, wait, did you just say that was slow? Like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. let's go back. I gotta watch that again. Um, but anyway, no, and all serious, no, like those videos are extremely helpful, man. Um, so keep doing that. But I I'll share some ideas with you offline. How you can yeah, definitely triple your views. But anyway, be, I'm interested. Yeah. So, dude, thanks for much, so much for coming on the show. I will have you back if, if Please. time allows. Uh, Absolutely. Within the next four to six weeks before uh, we hop into High Rocks, New York. Are you, you doing High Rocks, New York? Too? I was. I was going to my my brother and his wife are uh, expecting a child like that same weekend. So I was going to go back and kind of be around. But like logistically, it's this might just be a nightmare. I'm gonna go to West Palm and do um Deca Fit down there. Yeah. Nice. I, so I then I'm a, assuming you'll do Deca Fit in Atlantic City then. Yes. So I need another crack because okay. I was I was gonna hold off and not do one from one from July to November, but that's just like too big of a gap. I have some things yeah. I gotta work on, so I'm going cool. to West Palm. Well, I'll yeah. see you in Atlantic City. I'm I'm qualified to do Deca Strong, um, but I uh, cool. what's your strong time? 1359. Nice. So, cool. yeah, so I'm, I'm in my age group. I'm top 12, I think still, but we'll see. I, I got to make sure that I, uh, I hold that, that time. I don't want to do deck of strong. I actually want to do, uh, the deck of fit. So that's why I'm doing Jersey. I'm going to try to qualify age group wise. I have to break, uh, 35 minutes in New okay. Jersey, I think to be top 12 age group. Um, I think I can do it because at DECA Chicago, dude, I messed up three obstacles where I literally left too early. I had race brain, like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I left the lunges after doing 20 to come back. <laughs> I ran past the ski erg and literally like half, I feel like I ran a whole lap past. I had to circle back. And then I did the abs. I stopped at like 18. I had my head counted 20, but it's 25. 25. It didn't yeah. matter. <laughs> so that one, so it literally cost me like a good couple minutes and I did 37, 33. So I was like, I think I could get close to 35. We'll see, but it's also for fun. So, I, you know, I'm going I'm to do my best, but I was also nursing a calf injury in Chicago. Not, not full of excuses here, but my calf was like super tight. But there's reasons wearing, that you can, you can justify that. Like you're able to run the 35. Yeah. So I think yeah. I'm going to push, right. I'm going to try to push to get to that 35 or below Mark just because of what happened. New Jersey's on like turf and we could talk about this off, off air too. It's like, Oh on no, you're good. A turf floor. I don't think it's as, I thought for a while it was slower, but I don't think it, I don't necessarily think it's that much slower. Mm. So I think it's just, it's a little softer. It's a little bit nicer on, on your legs, but yeah, just, just push a little bit earlier than you want to push on those runs and just cause your strong is good. Your stations are going to be there. So like, yep. I'm going to blast through some of the runs. Yeah. Just see. Especially the happens. middle ones. The middle ones I'm going to try to push. It's I easy to fall asleep there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, brother. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for listening to the True Transformation Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave us um, a review. A review. Come back next time.